Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I am Liz Loza and I am here with my rookie snapshot partner in crime, also known as Eric Edholm, the Yahoo Sports NFL draft expert. Eric, how you doing? Did you get any sun? Have you reunited with your family? You're already working on 2022. What is wrong with you, man? Yeah, no, there's there's a lot going on in my head. None of it is good. Um, <laughs> I did get some. I did get some rest. That was an important thing. Uh, Monday was a, a relaxing day. Then it's back to the grind on Tuesday and uh, trying to figure out what's going on for next year's class. Trying to figure out some other stuff to write this summer. I'm, I'm in a good place. I'm, and I'm here with you guys. This is exciting. What did you do on Monday? Like, t- wait, when you woke up Monday morning, when did you yeah. decide? How many hours into Monday did you decide to take your phone off of silent? Yeah, I well, so here's the deal. I actually took the kids to school early, did a little bit of work first sort of two hours of the day, got to about, I don't know, 10 a.m., let's say, and I just said, you know what, that's it. We're going to close up shop for the day. I didn't have to work. I didn't need to. I just did a few things to get. And I, I think I had one or two radio shows that night, but I purposely planned it so that I wasn't going to be like, talking about six round fullbacks on a, on a Monday after the draft. That just doesn't, that doesn't play well. Okay. All right. So it sounds like you're in a good place. You've had enough time to recover. Anyone in your position doesn't sleep a whole lot anyway. So I guess you're used to it. Um, Let's then discuss your general post draft thoughts, particularly those six round fullbacks. Yeah. The six round fullbacks were incredible. Uh, It was the story of the draft. No doubt about it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm, it it was it was an interesting draft, Liz. I mean, I, obviously the the drama at three kind of held everybody up for a minute, and you know the people who were you know the never Mac Jonesers were like, "Aha, I knew it!" You know, and it was great. It was it provided some real drama early, and it you know it cast two other quarterbacks into you know outside of the top ten in a situation that we didn't necessarily expect to unfold. So round one was exciting. You know, early parts of day two were were pretty interesting, and uh, I. I'm a junkie, so I love the the day three guys. Those are those are my favorites, you know. But uh, overall, a fun draft, and uh, I, I think we were treated to a little a little entertainment. Absolutely, and the day leading up to the evening was certainly full of drama. <laughs> so it's not like anything was, and it looks like maybe that was planned. Well, just a suggestion, just a right? <laughs> just coincidental, yeah. right? I mean, the big trade request for Aaron Rodgers, or don't don't. You expect me back request and uh, Tim Tebow's a tight end now 33 years old you know nothing really going on just this drafting and everything else in the NFL right 
would you say, I did see that you already, and very immediately after the draft published your grades, I know the answer yeah. to this, but in case our listeners haven't checked it out yet, who had the best draft in your opinion? Highest grade. Yeah, I I think it's the Chicago Bears, if yep. the field's pick works, obviously. I mean, you know, it just, these these classes tend to get graded on one or two players. And if it, if you draft a quarterback in round one, that's going to be one of the two. So uh, it really was, I think, the most unexpected move of the night because, number one, I I didn't see fields getting out of the top ten. I still thought either a trade at seven or Carolina or Denver take them or move out of that pick. I just felt like they were going to have a hard time letting a quarterback pass them by, but both did. And when that happened, and then that little minor trade uh, between 10 and 12, you know, it, it really kind of turned the draft to the Bears' favor, and they were able to make a deal. I don't think they overpaid. Everybody's, you know, complaining about what they paid to move up. Look, I mean, what else are you going to do? Not make it? You know, not pay that that price to get potentially the most talented quarterback they've ever had? Uh, so... That and and Tevin Jenkins in round two did it for me. That was that was all I needed to see. Yeah, there was definitely some breath holding when the Lions t- were on the clock, thinking like, okay, well, yeah. are, are they going to take Sewell or are they going to take Fields? I don't know how right. all in they could possibly be on golf, but also, and we saw they only took one wide receiver uh, who will yep. I think we'll probably discuss a little bit later. They took him in, I believe, the fourth round, fourth. their second yep. fourth round pick. Um, his brother, Equinemius, plays for the Packers. But uh, they were not really focused on offense. And then when Carolina passed, I was like, oh, my God, are we – are we are we gonna are we gonna do this? And I had Andy Barron had a brilliant tweet about how he had like played out the whole Justin Fields and Carolina scenario in his mind, and then yep. it was over, and it was ended up even better as a Bears fan. Um, I think I was most surprised by the fact that the, at least the first half of the first round was so offensive heavy, right? Like yeah. three defensive picks only in the first 15 and then 14 defensive picks overall. So it seemed to, especially towards the end of the first round average out, but still very, very offensively heavy at the top. And lots of, you mentioned it with fields, uh, drafting a quarterback and then providing him with protection and weapons immediately. Yeah. I mean, right. You, you can't really draw it up much better than that. I mean, you're right about the defensive part too. I mean, It was probably about November that I realized of last year that I said, uh, who is the the Nick Bosa or Chase Young of this defense or even Jeffrey Okuda last year? Now, I know he didn't play great as a rookie, but, you know, he came in as a sort of almost pristine prospect in in a lot of ways. And so I think even that was lacking. uh, And you had a situation where two corners were kind of, you know, going head to head with JC Horn, Patrick Sertan. Now, you know, who knows, maybe if Caleb Farley's healthy, you know, he goes a lot higher, but still your point is true. Not much defense. I think next year will be a lot more normal. Uh, And then, yeah, I just, I keep coming back to what the bears did and felt like, you know, for all the criticism we've levied on, on Ryan Pace, I think for good reason. Right. I mean, uh, this was a very, a very focused attack and he got two guys that I think, Bears fans were preparing themselves to take Jenkins at 20 if they had to stay there. It couldn't have worked out any better. I think the biggest surprise, I want to hear your surprise. For for me, from a fantasy perspective, especially on the heels of that rumor that Buffalo 
might make a move on Travis Etienne. The fact that mm. they, in fact, did not draft uh, a running back. In fact, they went edge, edge, OT, OT in their first four picks. There yeah. are a lot of Zach Moss truthers who are holding on to last year quite a bit. And obviously, he was he ruptured a tendon in his ankle in the wild card round. Yeah. So he's coming off of that tightrope surgery. Um, but Moss has an opportunity after moving ahead of uh, Singletary to make a real impact for fantasy in terms of rankings. He's just inside the top 40 for the Yahoo consensus ranking. I believe he is uh, RB 37. Meanwhile, Singletary mm-hmm. is just outside of that at RB 43. So I think from a fantasy perspective, that was one of the biggest surprises. Yeah. I mean, right. I think ETN, you, you could find a lot of mock drafts with him going to Buffalo. You know, I didn't necessarily see that as, as as perfect a fit as maybe others did, but I understood the logic of it. Absolutely. And, you know, Brandon Bean came out and said, you know, they're confident in Moss and Singletary. And, you know, I mean, I, they, they bring in Matt Breida, too, as kind of a you know, change a pace guy or whatever. And he could add a little, a little burst to that group. So yeah, it's not the sexiest trio of all time. It's certainly, you know, I don't think it's the worst though. You know, I mean, look at obviously Miami's got a real unproven situation. I just think they felt like, you know, until we can win the line of scrimmage consistently on both sides, uh, which they didn't always do, they, they had to go that route. And that's, that's what they ended up doing. Trenches football. I mean, they are gifted in skill position players. So yeah. Why yep. not bolster bolster the trenches? Okay, before we get into some of the bigger landing spots, what was your take? What grade would you give yourself on your mocks? <laughs> it wasn't very good. I, you know, <laughs> the, the, yeah, let's see. I, I was a tougher grader on the teams this year, so it's only fair that I'm tough on myself. I would say probably a C- because I had two picks that, you know, I was kicking myself for not making. I had Trey Lance originally penciled in number three. And then for whatever reason, at the last minute, I thought, am I going to look foolish with this one? Am I going to be wrong about this? And, and if so, maybe I should just hedge and put Mac there. That's what we'll do. Okay, we'll do that. So I, I you know, I fell for the banana in the tailpipe, so to speak. And, and uh, you know, that one hurt. That one, that one was, I, I should have known better. You know what I mean? I should have sort of seen the bigger picture there and kept, Telling myself, do you really trade that much, that many assets for a guy who we pretty much know what he is versus what's behind door number two, the the mystery? And that was Trey Lance. Well, I should have gone back to that. I, I, you should feel very absolved of any guilt over that because you and I texted, I will admit to our audience, you're not blowing me up. I texted you on your personal mobile device earlier (laughs) that day on the heels of the Aaron Rodgers news and the quote inquiry. Uh, that yeah. San Francisco reportedly made. It wasn't an official offer. Right. I don't want all the well-actuallys to come after me, but it felt like there was a real desire for a pro-ready right now QB. And therefore, you know, Kyle Shanahan said he wanted a, a day one starter. So it seemed like that's the direction that Mac was the direction that, you know, all clues were leading towards. And now, in yeah. fact, their day one starter is going to be Jimmy G. Right. I know. And that was and that was maybe the the last sort of tiebreaker that pushed me in that direction. I kept thinking, 
Yeah, he wants someone who's ready now. I think he's done with Jimmy. That was my sort of thinking. Like, I, I think he's ready to move on from this guy. He'll go to New England. You know, he'll go somewhere else, whatever it may end up being. Um, they're going to cut their losses and go with Mac Jones for that very reason. Yeah. It didn't happen that way. I think they may have sort of sniffed around to see what the, the interest level on Garoppolo may have been and found out it wasn't so big. Maybe that helped change their course. I have no idea, uh, but but it certainly is fascinating the way it played out. Well, I, I spoke with Jimmy on Tuesday, and yeah. two things. He is incredibly charming, so I think that might yes. have worked in his favor when even talking to Kyle Shanahan. And number two, uh, he was up front and said that he knew the plan heading. Yeah, I asked him what Thursday, what prep for Thursday night looked like for him, and he, he knew that it was going to be they were wow. taking a quarterback and he was prepared. I, I wish he could have helped me with my mock. Maybe, <laughs> I, you know, maybe he could have added a little something, but yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. Let's talk about some of the fantasy relevant landing spots. I mean, none for fantasy has, was better than Najee Harris to Pittsburgh round one pick 24. You projected it. So congratulations. You certainly got that one right. Do you know, though, Eric, the last time the Pittsburgh Steelers used a first-round pick to select an offensive skill position player? Well, I know their last – good question. I know their last back was uh, uh, Rashard Mendenhall. That's I'm right. guessing – yeah, it was Heath Miller probably before him. Um, and I'm trying to think, was there – there wouldn't have been another tight end, I don't think. Another receiver. Antonio those guys came right before him. Came before uh, Mendy. Okay, but you're right. It came was before. Mendy. It was Mendenhall. So that was it. Point. Okay, yeah. wow. Mendy was it. Uh, Thirteen years ago, in 2008, yeah. that was the last time the Steelers took a running back or an offensive skill position player in round one. And we all know Crazy. that for fantasy purposes, in his second year, not as a rookie, Mendy put up. He averaged uh, 16 touches per game over his you know, three, let's call it three years. Cause that ACL injury kind of messed up the, the end, right. and, you know, but for those three solid years in Pittsburgh averaged uh, at least 16 touches per game. And he posted top 24 fantasy numbers uh, during his, during that three years. So I think we can project a good amount of volume for Harris here. I would think so. I mean, everything, you know, this was probably one of the more obvious second half of round one picks. A lot of people paired these two up. It made perfect sense. Najee's got that flair to him. He's got the power. He's, he can be the bruising back that Steelers fans, you know, have, have always loved. He can also be a, a double sitter, if you will, with his better, you know, his improved quickness. He slimmed down last year. He can he can do he can leap over guys. Uh, that's kind of cool to watch. <laughs> I think he's gonna gonna fit right in beautifully there. The question is, can their offensive line open holes? I mean that. They uh, Kendrick Green came in round three. He's going to probably win the starting center job, I would think. I, I don't know about the tackles, though. And I, I think it's going to have to be in-house solutions, street-free agents, you know, any other scraps and flotsam and jetsam they can find. Because yeah. I don't, I really don't know how it's going to be better than last year's bad run-blocking group. So I'm, I'm a little leery. I don't know. He's not going to be efficient. Right. Like, I don't think anyone should expect a giant YPC, even though to quote our friend Dalton Del Don, that's a noisy stat. Obviously, defenses are going to bring the pressure to Ben and dare him to throw it. So I don't think that there are going to be these wide open lanes. But I also can't deny that Harris is a more talented back than James Conner and volume is yep. still king in fantasy. So ranking him inside the top 15 fantasy players at the position makes complete sense. I mean, he's going to see he's going to see like 18 touches a game. When you get a running back who touches the ball 18 touches a game, 
in 2021, like that's yep. it. Volume is still king. Yep. And he'll catch balls. I mean, you know, I think that's going to be one way to help kind of get him, you know, a bit of a runway, you know, and let him let him get out into space a little bit and use his his burst and his mass out there. So, yeah, I mean, he he's such an improved receiver from where he was as a sophomore. I mean, it felt like an overnight transition into his junior year when he could catch the ball as, as you know, adeptly as he did. And I think that'll be a big part of it. Like they use James Conner, you know, it'll be a sort of a supercharged version of him, I think. Well, another running back, the other running back that went in first round and also developed into a, an impressive pass catcher towards the end of his college career was Travis yeah. Etienne. So let's talk about him. I mean, what a crushing moment for James Robinson's fantasy value, by the way. I yeah. mean, especially after such a like heroic season last year, this undrafted guy, you know, it, it, it felt so good to prove himself, but... I don't think any franchise uses a first round pick on a running back in this market, particularly one that was paired with his that is now reunited with his college quarterback uh, if they're yeah. not going to give him a good amount of volume. Right. I mean, you know, they, when they signed Carlos Hyde, I thought, OK, I get it. Right. I mean, he played for Urban in college sure. and he knows Daryl Bevel and, you know, like that makes sense. He probably didn't have a ton of offers like that. OK, you get those two guys together. But now you throw a third element in there. Uh, and even if ETN is like when we talked about him during the running back uh, pod that we did, I mean, I said, Look, I don't think he's going to be – I want him getting about 13, 14 touches a game. I don't think he's going to be a volume back, but he can make a lot of big plays on those 14 touches or whatever. So if we use that as sort of the, the baseline, I mean, are they running the ball 35, 40 times a game and taking it out of Trevor's hands, or are they going to let the, the, the hero quarterback throw the ball? I mean, it, it just – it really does seem to take the teeth out of everything Robinson did last year in a, in a brilliant rookie year. He should have been drafted. Everyone knows that now. But I was saying at the time, I thought, even though he's not fast, he, this guy is a good, instinctive, hard-running dude with a big frame, and you're going to want him, you know, see him on an NFL roster. He made the most of his situation, and now this is this is his, uh, his reward. It just Come feels, uh, yeah, it sucks. It's also going to be difficult to project Jacksonville because there are so many unknowns, not only Urban Meyer in his first year as an NFL head coach, but also we, and we talked about this in the quarterback snapshot pod, Trevor Lawrence is different than anything we've seen before. And traditionally ultra mobile quarterbacks don't check down to their running backs as frequently because they mm. just take the ball and run, right? So in PPR, you're like, oh, well, there's kind of a switch there. But we these two players, Etienne and Lawrence, obviously know each other. And obviously, yep. uh, Etienne was used as a safety valve quite frequently for Lawrence. And so it's going to be interesting to project. Like, when I do my projections, I don't, I don't know. I don't think we have, like, a comp on this from previous years. Yeah, good question. I mean, I, it's funny you you asked this question too because I was I was just writing about how the five first round quarterbacks are going to fit with the offensive philosophy that each of those five teams are using. And you know, going back to Bevel, I mean, he had Russell Wilson in his rookie year, and it, it was this sort of constant battle of like, well, Russ has handled everything we've thrown at him. How much more do we give him? That sort of idea. Um, but they definitely built in a screen game for him. They definitely had you know, the short passing game going quite a bit. And, you know, Trevor in college, 
ran a lot of scripted stuff. It was a like a run this route. You know, there weren't a lot of option routes. There, there wasn't a lot of improvisation that he had to do. I, I don't know how that that factors in, but I'm guessing they're not going to ask him to go to a, uh, you know, a situation where he's making all these decisions on the fly. Some of it is going to be predetermined. So, you know, maybe that ends up helping ETN. And, and again, to your point, you don't draft a guy in round one if you aren't going to use him on some level. So right. uh, that, that there has to be a role for him where he can, you know, be used on slants, bubble screens, you know, things like that. Javante Williams, I think everybody was holding their breath as the Jets were picking, hoping, at least fantasy managers were hoping to get the tackle breaker in New York. Obviously, the Jets at the top of the second round, they took a different playmaker. I still love it. Elijah Moore, they're gifting Zach Wilson with all of the things that they never brought to Sam Darnold. But in fact, then Javante Williams goes to Denver. Clearly, the Broncos looking for some fresh legs. Melvin Gordon in the last year of his deal, uh, I mean, are we anticipating that this is going to start as an RBBC and then by the end of the season, perhaps as Gordon wears down, Williams, who we imagine has at least the younger slash fresher legs, pulls ahead? Yeah, that's an interesting way to to look at it. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, obviously, when we did our little thing before and we predicted the teams, I thought Miami was the perfect spot for him. Like, Mm -hmm. I just, I thought, God, that's going to be a good spot. And who was the team that Denver leapfrogged? Yeah. One pick after that was Miami. So. So close to getting what I what I had predicted in that one. Angry still, but that's all right. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's that's likely to be the way it goes. You know, they'll 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 handle Melvin Gordon like a veteran, a starter, and say, you know, we're going to give you your opportunities. Um, I'm trying to think. I think they also brought in the Mike Boone or something like that. Yeah, but I mean, really, it, this is going to be, you know, the the Gordon Williams show. I think Royce Freeman has run out of time. You know, and you can and you can do a lot with. The quarterback position being as big a question as as yeah. there as there is, I would think that the running backs are going to get plenty of work. You know, Williams was used to working in a timeshare, obviously with Michael Carter in North Carolina. Made the most of his touches. He had some games where he had six carries, some where he had twenty six. You know, so that maybe introduced a little bit of frustration for fantasy owners, but. You know, on a per touch basis, I think by the end of the season, we're going to see Williams is going to be the more effective guy. All right. That's a good thing to hold on to. Uh, Let's jump because we mentioned the Jets and you just mentioned Williams' um, former teammate at UNC, Michael Carter. So let's talk about him because he ended up going to the Jets in round four. He was the the, uh, second pick of round four. Um, And I had him, in fact, projected to Denver. So I got the North Carolina backs (laughs) flip-flopped. Yeah, it it wasn't exactly the way I thought it would go, but I I thought they would get somebody with some pass-catching ability at that position. He's got that. And what I like about Carter is that he's pretty nicely built for a compact guy. I mean, you know, he can handle a little bit of the rigors. And, and, you know, I mean, he he sort of reminds me a little bit of, I wouldn't say he's Kevin Falk, but that kind of a player who can give you some tough yards inside. He can run inside zone. They can do some, some ISO stuff. Or you can get him out in the space and he catches the ball pretty darn well. So it, it ends up being a really nice spot. I mean, like, look, is Tevin Coleman the the starter? Is Michael Carter going to win that thing eventually? Do they like any of the other options, including what, P. Ryan and... and uh, Ty Johnson. The other Ty one. Johnson. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. I mean, that's that's the question I have is... I wouldn't be shocked to see Carter get a lot of run early, or at least some by some point in this season. Yeah, I think Carter is going to make his money in fantasy in the passing game, especially 
you know, a lot of people love to talk about how friendly a system, is, the Shanahan system is, and Mike LaFleur is expected to install that yeah. similar system. Um, but I also am so high, frankly, on Elijah Moore, who we mentioned earlier in the slot, that I wonder how that's going to shake out, like how the targets and the volume is going to shake out. I mean, there's obvious difference in nuance, but I think Carter is going to probably be most effective for PPR purposes, especially mm. when you do. I mean, I, I don't know, because you do have P. Ryan is not exactly, you know, he's not um, a particularly flashy or explosive player, but he has power. Yeah, I mean, I, I would guess that there's a way to to use those guys together, you know, and find a, a sort of marriage between them there. I mean, look, I it's hard to know because, you know, so many new faces are all kind of thrown in there, yeah. including the coaching staff. It just doesn't really, you know, it, it's hard to say exactly how it's going to all work out. But, you know, I mean, maybe they just make Tevin Coleman the nominal starter and, you know, by game's end, Carter, you know, ends up getting a lot more, touches than he does or p ryan or for that matter so I, i'm fascinated that whole offense with so many new faces right Corey davis at wide receiver zach wilson at quarterback you know new pieces on the offensive line new offensive minds bringing ideas to the table there'll be a team i'll be you know focused on a lot in, in the preseason i would imagine and it's important to remember that evolution takes time and when you mention tevin coleman we also have to acknowledge the fact that there's history and he's a known quantity to Mike LaFleur in this situation, which is otherwise new. So I think you're very, very smart to bring up the fact that Coleman will probably be the nominal starter. We know his health history, his durability issues. So again, this seems like a developing, as as the situation develops, there might be a changing of the guard. But so often fantasy managers are excited because these rookies are in our mind and they were just drafted and you know the shiny new toy kind of theory and so they're perhaps overdrafted and then cut when frustratingly things don't happen and then somebody scoops them on the waiver wire and lo and behold week 14 rolls around and they're absolute money so you know I would just implore people to keep an eye on or keep an ear to the ground for the summer drumbeat and see where things develop let's talk about Trey Sermon because You know, he is someone that you and I were both high on in comparison, I think, to the consensus, at least. Um, And I don't believe we're talking about Shanahan systems. Like, I don't think he could have landed in a better spot. In fact, the fourth running back taken in the whole dang draft and San Francisco traded up to get him. Right. And then they drafted Elijah Mitchell, who's a really good college back too. I think in round six or something like that, too. So, you know, and they admitted afterward, this wasn't the way they drew it up because they already have... You know, Mostert, Wayne Gallman, uh, who's the guy who fills in every now and then? Jeff Wilson, you know, and I guess you count Juszczyk in that in that equation too. He so, paves the way you know, for all of them. <laughs> exactly. He pay, yeah, Juszczyk paves the way for everybody there. Yeah, it just, it, it was, I think, a pretty good spot for him. And I think this is a guy that fantasy people who maybe just getting hip to him a little bit, you know, may have heard our first uh, podcast on the running backs you know, now it's real. And this is a spot where even though he may be, you know, fourth or fifth on the depth chart right now, I wouldn't be shocked at some point that Trey Sermon is is very fantasy relevant at some point. What I worry about is maybe, you know, especially with all the injuries this position in, in San Fran has had, you know, especially last season, you know, maybe he gets a one-week starting opportunity and then he's dialed back the next week. So it may be a little bit hot and cold, scattershot, whatever you want to call it. That's just my biggest worry with him. And on top of that, 
you know, Trey Sermon's had injuries. So, well, that's, I mean, so it, you know, the, I, the injuries are the biggest concern because I would imagine, look, Raheem Mostert has not been able to stay healthy. We saw that again last, last season. So there yeah. might be some load management concerns. Jeff Wilson also, I'm, I'm a huge Jeff Wilson fan. I really like him. He, right. He's like a great, you know, um, waiver wire plug in uh, if you need yeah. somebody. But he also has struggled. And I think the fact that there was an investment here in a second round, especially noting the running back value as it is believed yep. to be in 2021, like that makes me optimistic. And here's a fun fact. Uh, well, also, if we're talking about uh, durability, like Trey Sermon's running style invites injuries, kind of like an up- upright runner doesn't yeah. really lower his pad level. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him miss games this year at all, even if he were given a nice compliment, double digit, double digit touches. But fun fact, his mom, uh, Naomi Mitchell, I believe her name is, the day after, she tells a story about how the day after he was born, she watched Super Bowl 33 from her hospital bed and said, someday that's going to be you. And if y'all remember a little bit of NFL trivia in Super Bowl 33, Mike Shanahan led the Denver Broncos to a victory. And now her son, who she said in that moment, watching that particular game, you're going to be in the NFL someday, is playing for Mike's son. I think that's cute. How cool is that? And was that the game that Terrell Davis went went crazy? Was that, I mean, was, okay. So it's like all coming together, right? The the running back kind of steals the show from, from the quarterback a little bit. I, I'm with you. I'm buying. I'm buying Trey Sermon stock at this point. Yeah, it's like like those cryptocurrency. You just can't get enough of them. <laughs> oh my gosh! Are you going to start talking NFTs next? No, <laughs> I don't know anything about them. I really don't. I wish I did, but I, I every time I read about them, I'm like, I think I understood that. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah, that makes sort of sense. Hmm. Something else that made a little bit of sense was Chuba Hubbard going to Carolina in round four. This is a player that you and I discussed as being probably limited to two downs. So not much fantastic fantasy value. And now there's a there's a star running back in Carolina. I don't know if you're aware of that. So yeah. probably he's he's gonna be a little bit buried. Yeah. And that's and that's, you know, the the good news is that I mean, unless you're I don't even know if they still have Reggie Bonifon. I'm a big fan, but uh, you know. There really isn't anyone else preventing him from grabbing that number two role that I'm aware of, unless I'm kind of missing, you know, they, they, they lose, um, Mike Davis, Mike Davis. to Atlanta yeah. and McCaffrey had the injury issue. So this is, you know, I'll give you credit too, because, you know, I was kind of down on Chuba a little bit and you were kind of like, you were like the pep talk as we were texting, like, who are we going to talk about in the show? And, you know, you, you, you stuck with him and I didn't think he'd be a fourth round pick. I really didn't. I, I, I was almost like, how am I gonna, how am I gonna tell Liz that this isn't gonna happen? You were right, you got it. So, uh, and they do have some complementary skills to a degree, you know. I mean, I think they can work together. He's gonna get some touches in that offense, even with McCaffrey back. So, kind of a nice spot for him. I like it. I don't think he's gonna be valuable unless everybody knock on wood, McCaffrey were to be injured. Right. But you make the point about Mike Davis, who, by the way, what a winner moving to Atlanta. Wow. And, and by the way, Mike Davis like really wore down as the year progressed. Like his efficiency Absolutely. numbers waned, and now that's Atlanta, man. That's he's he's it in Atlanta. What a big winner! But also yep. another you know running back to to keep an eye on. Any other running backs that we should discuss? You know, the only one would be Jared Dokes, uh, the seventh rounder uh, of the Miami Dolphins, who you know, like we mentioned a few times in, in passing. 
I think we kind of thought the Dolphins would add a, a back with mm. a little bit of size, you know, and Dokes is a really interesting player. You know, he's had plenty of injuries in college. He was only the guy for like one year, but I had some people kind of bring his name up and say, kid's pretty good. Like he's, he's not bad. And we've obviously, you know, we mentioned James Robinson, plenty of day three guys have had success undrafted as well. So Jared Dokes is one to kind of, just get familiar with and and see how he's handling uh, the competition at running back in Miami. Cause he's one that, you know, most seventh round picks, they're going to be like a 20, 30% chance to make the roster. Maybe they get out of the practice squad. This kid will have a shot. I think he's going to be very interesting down there. Nobody giving out dope snugs other than Eric. Yes, dope snugs yep. on the, on the fantasy forecast. Lots of dopes takes. Um, how about a take? Here's a player we did talk about, Demetric Felton. He was listed on the NFL official draft results as a wide receiver, but then announced on draft day as a running back. We discussed his dual eligibility or potential dual eligibility. Yeah. He goes to Cleveland in round six. I mean, I know Cleveland's got all of the all of the pieces, right? Like I'm still holding my breath waiting for Donovan Peoples Jones to do something. So Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean it, it almost disappointed me a little bit to see him get sort of switched back to running back in the sense that, you know, on the one hand, you think, well, that's great. That's a good opportunity for it. We accept that, you know, we know that their their starters are going to keep him on the bench forever, it feels like. So mm. he's got he's to gotta win the job, I think, as a returner. And that's going to be a way to get on the roster, you know, and, and kind of decide, you know, maybe long term, they don't they're not able to re-sign Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt, obviously one of the best number two backs in the league. Now you could pair those two guys long-term. So as interesting a player as he is, unless they're making a a plan to switch him back to receiver anytime soon, and maybe he's Jarvis Landry's long-term replacement, I just I can't see him being fantasy relevant this year. All right. Well, Jamar Chase certainly will be. I mean, yeah. he – did you know last year I, – I remembered this, and it made sense, but when I looked back at the numbers – did you know that all three of the Bengals starting receivers, including A.J. Green and then obviously T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, cleared 100 targets in 2020? Isn't that amazing? Well, I, and, and yet A.J. Green didn't have 50 catches. I think he had like 48 or something. This is just nuts. But, it's yeah. wild, right? And so Green's in Arizona. Jamar Chase is going to be that ex-alpha that allows T. Higgins to do his high-pointing gorgeousness, right? And you've got <laughs> Tyler Boyd in the slot. And what better way to make a – franchise quarterback, a number one overall pick who has ended his season prematurely because of a really gnarly knee injury, feel Mm bad. Like he's going to get the yips at the top of the season. He's expected, by the way, current reports say Jerboro is ahead of schedule on his recovery and he's expected to be the week one starter. But they do a little bit of work on the offensive line in free agency uh, and then give him his old teammate. And so you have to imagine if you're going to get over the yips, like, how about some familiarity and a little bit of protection to do it? Yeah, I mean, I think my suspicion is if Jamar Chase played at Texas or, you know, Ole Miss or Alabama or whatever, he still would have been the Bengals pick. But having that that familiarity, they've worked together obviously two years in the past. It doesn't hurt a bit. I don't think it impacted their decision in my, very much, I would imagine. But I think it's going to be great for, 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 uh, for Joe. And you're right. I mean, the offensive line, it is what it is. I don't think, you know, it's going to be a top 10 unit. But Jonah Williams back from injury, first round pick. They signed Riley Reef. You know, they have more depth on the inside right now. 
you know, I mean, it's it's not a terrible group if everybody plays up to snuff. And so I, I think they made the right call with Chase. He's going to be an alpha dog the second he steps into the NFL. What do you think for his production, though? Because, like you said, a lot of mouths to feed there, you know, and, and you know, I would think it's better than A.J. Green did last year. I have him in my rough projection. I just wrote an article and he was highlighted in it. I have him clearing 75 catches and a thousand yards. I like it. I can get behind that. How many, what are we, are we thinking? Cause obviously T Higgins can, can get in the end zone. Tyler Boyd is not going to be a massive TD producer, but I would think, I think he's got opportunities. I, I was going to say around six, six to eight touchdowns. You know, like a, a 75, 1,007 stat line for his rookie year. Not bad. Not bad at all. Yep. I, I would, I, I think that's, that's great. Cause your point is that like they threw so much to those three wide receivers last year. Green gets subbed out for the young, fresh legs with more separation ability. You know, the whole operation should be better. And I think that, that Chase is going to be a, a huge cog right away. So one reunion to another reunion in Miami between Tua Tungavailoa and the speedster Jalen Waddle, not Devonta Smith, not Najee Harris, but in fact, Waddle, uh, we talked a lot about him comping similarly, now everybody knows it, to Tyreek Hill. I think from a fantasy perspective, Waddle's going to make, because don't forget, Will Fuller is also in Miami. So Waddle's right. going to make some DFS players a lot of money on a week-to-week basis, you know, on various weeks will pop up. But from a consistency standpoint, I don't love it for redraft. I agree. I I, I said to a Dolphins friend of mine, he, he when I he asked me a couple week days before the draft, who are they going to take? I said, I think it's going to be Waddle the way that the board plays out. I'm not sure. And he said, well, he's just a gadget guy. And I said, well, that's mm. not true. I don't think he's a gadget guy. But I could see early on what you're kind of hinting at, I think, where – he has a three-catch game here, you know, a five-target game. Uh, maybe gets an end around. He's used on returns. And it's a little quiet sometimes. But then some weeks, you know, he he gets that that head of steam and rips off a, a 65-yard TD, and he's the hottest thing in fantasy football, right? So there's going to be a little bit of that, I think. And we still don't know how good Tua is, you know, and, and still – don't know how they're going to line up, but I I think you're right. I think there's going to be some weeks where he's great, some weeks where he's a little bit a little you know missing. I, I think too, um, in terms of like context, because as we talk about this, I think sometimes people are like, well, what does that mean? So, in terms of ranking for me, Chase inside you know at that inside the the top thirty towards the like yeah. top thirty, but Waddle like right at the fifty to you know fifty to fifty five spot in terms of wide receiver right. rankings. Is that usually now tell me because I have I'm not like I, t- I think I mentioned before I'm in like a 14 team league and a right, 20 team league so my brain gets yeah like I don't know like in a 12 team league are 50 wide receivers usually drafted depends if you have a yes. flex or a three wide receiver okay right? okay three if you play three then you probably will okay three and a flex but you gotcha. know this is the high upside play when you're drafting later. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike his teammate and another member of the rideouts, as they were called in Alabama, Devontae Smith, because volume, volume, another reunion, actually, volume, volume, volume mm-hmm. for Smith here landing in Philadelphia. And the fact, you know, that Philadelphia made a deal with a division rival to also trade up and get hurt some uh, some familiar weapons. How did I not realize that 
all the top three wide receivers in the draft all went to their college quarterbacks. I mean, not the the, the primary one in every case right. in, in, in this one, but I, that just occurred. Well, because you said it, that's why. But yeah, it, it really is. Uh, I, I think he's going to be the number one re- receiver there. I really do. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just don't know how you hold him back, you know, with that group. I mean, Jalen Rager, obviously, I think will be better. He'll be better prepared, but... He's the guy now, don't you think? Doesn't it have to be? Yo, Eric, I'm going to ask you who you think, which receiver, no, which which pass catcher, period, throw in, lump in the tight ends, Yeah, led the Eagles in targets in 2020. Oh, my gosh. I, now I'm going to have to pull some names out here. Was It wasn't Travis Fulgham, was it? No. I mean, oh, so tight ends, too. So that would be either, it would be uh, Goddard, right? No, Greg Ward. Zach Ertz? No. Greg Ward led. Greg Ward led him in. Led okay. the Eagles in targets with 79. His yardage was not great. That Fulgham made up for that. Um, and then he also scored six touchdowns. I mean, I love Greg Ward. He's got a great story. You know, I'm, sure. I'm so happy he made it as a wide receiver. Wide receiver in no one, universe. Greg Ward. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. I mean, Look, I don't know what you make of their whole group. They've got about 15 of them on the roster, and I think only about three deserve to get any playing time. But, yeah, it's probably got to be Devontae, Rager, whoever in that third spot, either Fulgham, Ward, and the two draft picks from last year, uh, Watkins and Hightower, I guess. Our Sega Whiteside is there. I mean, it's kind of mess. I am, am, like, looking at my notes because I did a bunch of math on – who be obviously like those numbers are a little bit messed up because Hertz wasn't the starter until the end of the season. So who did, but, and, right. and you know, Goddard was injured. And so there was yeah. certainly not consistency, but Hertz has the rapport or at least I don't want to say the rapport because it wasn't that much overlap, but there is some familiarity with Smith yep. and as much talk as everyone is wanting to make over uh, Smith's lack of size Clearly, the Eagles aren't worried about it because they traded up. Clearly, they felt like his route running was enough to make up for any physical deficiency that might be perceived. Yeah. And I think he is absolutely going to lead this receiving core in targets. I, I don't even think it's like a debate. I, according to ECR, yeah. which is expert consensus ranking, not just Yahoo, but all of the platforms, right. he's the wide receiver 33 right now. And you have to imagine it's solely because of volume. Because we know that Hertz is not going to be leaned upon for his arm, but rather his legs. Right. No, I, I, that's this is all really interesting to me too because I I don't usually tune into this kind of stuff until July and August, and then I then I start going, oh, really? That's the case. Okay, but yeah, that this year it'll be interesting to see how much this new staff puts on Jalen Hurts as a thrower. I mean, like, how much are they going to ask him to throw the ball? He did a lot of vertical stuff in college, and where he'd just sit back in the pocket and just wait for something to open up. I don't know that that works, but I would imagine that. You know, Devontae Smith's going to catch some bombs this year. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, as consistent as everybody wants, but he's going to be in there making plays, no doubt about it. I mean, he could be, you know, I guess it wouldn't be shocking to say he could lead the the all rookies in receptions, but with Chase being right there yeah. as well, I don't know. This is fascinating. I think I have Chase ranks lightly ahead of him because I, I think the overall offense, like I would rather have a piece of that yeah. offense, you know, than, than the Eagles yep. and also – I don't know how good I feel about Hertz and Smith, both young players facing the Washington football team twice a season. That's, 
And the Giants. Giants have a good defense too, right? No, no doubt about it. I mean, that's that's going to be Cowboys. Okay, you get two two easy ones, but yeah, right. that, that's that's a big hurdle right there. That's a good segue to the Giants, though, because the the it's not even doubling down. The like quadrupling down on Daniel Jones was made all the more evident with the selection of Kadarius Tony here. So. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I mean, there's a lot going on. Uh, you've got still have Darius Slayton. Kenny Galladay obviously comes over in free agency. John Ross is there. I mean, Dante right. Pettis, Sterling Shepard. And now you're adding Kadarius Tony as well, not to mention Evan Ingram and uh, Kyle Rudolph. Right. I know. And Saquon Barkley, who sure, catches yes. balls, too. I mean, it just it. It, it, it's going to be tricky for me to fall in love with with Kadarius Tony. Uh, I don't see a whole lot of pass for that as a fantasy rookie because for every big play he's capable of making, I, I just think his volume is going to be so small. He's not yet a well-rounded wide receiver. And Liz, we're also banking on Jason Garrett, offensive coordinator Jason Garrett, that being is- creative yes. enough to use Kadarius Tony in the right kinds of ways. Does this feel like a promising gambit here? Like, does this feel like this, this pairing is going to work out? <sighs> Not to me, it doesn't. I don't I know. I love that you made that point. That's the point that I made immediately when we did our draft reaction show last Thursday night. Recording it immediately was, yeah, on paper, I totally understand how everyone is going to be sucked right. into Daniel Jones. But how's it going to happen? Are we really trusting Jason Garrett to be the savant that puts all of these not very similar pieces together. Yeah. And use them He's in the not best a ways. I mean, maker. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good way to say it. I like it. Kenny Galladay is going to get plenty of targets. Darius Slayton has carved out a role in this offense. Sterling Shepard is, you know, old reliable, whatever. And then there's Tony, who look, he'll he'll probably have this sort of same role that Felix Jones did as a running back in Dallas or, or, you know, who else they bring in as like a little trick play, like Tavon Austin, you know, and they couldn't figure out what to do with him. So like, I, I realize this head coach Jason has other stuff he's doing, but you don't think he's got an imprint on the offense. I just, I don't believe it. So yeah, this is, this one's going to, going to, going to probably look bad after one year, even though I don't think it should. I mean, you got to give the kid a chance to, to develop. I just don't see him putting up big numbers. Did you also hear that some scouts were dinging him because of his alter ego, his rap career? Young Joka, I believe, is is the name he goes by when he's rapping. I, I, I heard two prospects who have, like, burgeoning music careers. He's one of them. Jalen Phillips, uh, the kid who went to Miami, is another. And, you know, you get some some older, crustier scouts who are sort of worried about them getting distracted by that. And, I, you know, look, I mean, there, there's part of it. it. What do you love more, football or, or music? It's, I don't think it's a – no, I'm just saying, like, when you, if you're putting that much on them, you can ask the question. If they don't give you the answer you like, you don't have to draft them. That's how I look at it. I think there's some teams that care about it. I think there's some that, that have but cursory interest in that. You know what I mean? So I didn't hear that too much with, with Tony, but there was some questions about early in his career at Florida. There was some maturity stuff that sure, had to yeah. be ironed out. He said, I, I, they like him down there. They just, they just said he had to grow up a little bit. Yeah. Well, he did that. Um, and now, uh, he is in the New York market and you know what? I hope for his sake, he's, he's definitely recording singles. Cause I'm not quite sure he's going to flash with Jason Garrett. Holding the clipboard. <laughs> yeah. That's a good fallback option, <laughs> yeah. right? You know, second sure. career, a little, a little side hustle. I like it in a great market, by the way, like not a, yes. it's not a small market. Um, but you talked <laughs> about volume, 
Rashad Bateman, great. You nailed it, by the way. You projected him to Baltimore. Woo-hoo. When that uh, when the trade came down with Kansas City a little bit, uh, a couple of I think like a week before, a couple of days before the draft, that it helped. seemed very yeah, it certainly helped. But um, Rashad Bateman, I love this move for Baltimore in real life football. I don't love it for fantasy, obviously because just the volume isn't going to be there. Yeah, I mean it's going to be tough to figure out exactly what they do with with their passing game and whether there's going to be you know much in the way of opportunities out there. I mean. Marquise Brown, I don't. You you tell me what you think about him at this stage of his career. Miles Boykin just seems like a like a guy. Um, Sammy Watkins is another sort of who knows kind of guy. I just sort of feel like I, I wish they hadn't signed w- w- Watkins because I feel like that was almost like an insurance plan of sorts. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah. I mean, what do you what do you make of that whole group? Because there's still Devin Duvernay inside. I mean, I think there's a lot of redundancy right? Like they don't seem to have an alpha. They have a lot of these smaller inside outside guys, right? But like Bateman, we talked a lot about how, sure, he's versatile, but are we really trusting, especially given his lack of like elite athletic traits, at least those that can be measured? Do we think that he can survive on the outside in that division, no less? Like that, that's my concern. And you see Watkins is and Duvernay was a pick from last year. And that seemed to be like the Willie Sneed replacement. Right. So I don't really see, I don't really see like the big, strong, poised alpha. And I had hoped that maybe Miles Boykin would develop into the contested get catch Kenny Galladay-esque type of player. But that that evolution doesn't seem to be happening either. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think there's a chance for Bateman to, Okay, let's say Brown is the bubble screen and home run ball guy. And let's say Watkins is, is you know, kind of like they used him in Kansas City where, you know, oh, yeah, Sammy Watkins is still on the team, right? He just caught a 50-yard touchdown pass, and then we don't hear from him for three games or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, somewhere in between there, there's got to be somebody who's catching the balls on second and eight, third and 11, you know, and, and moving the chains that way and, I I still believe in the talent. I think Bateman's going to get an opportunity to 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 be a uh, to carve out a niche in that offense. But from a fantasy relevance standpoint, I, I'm like you. I'm a little bit a little ambivalent about it. Yeah, I think he's in like that RB seventy area. I mean, I'm sorry. I think he's in that wide receiver seventy kind of landing spot. Elijah Moore. Let's talk about him. We mentioned him a little bit earlier. This was the playmaker. Zach Wilson gets another gift. Round two, pick two. You had him projected to New Orleans. I had no idea, so I just put a question mark, two question marks, in fact. Love the player. Love what he does for this offense as it starts to shake shape under a new regime. But what more can you potentially add here? It's a little bit crowded there. You know, obviously they still have some, Some you know, Corey Davis is going to mm-hmm. be the the main guy, I think. And what do they do with Jamis and Crowder? Because, I mean – you know, his skills kind of overlap what Moore does. Moore is just a little more electric, I think, a little more juice to his game. So, you know, I mean, they had to throw the ball to Crowder when he was active because they just had no talent. Is he a trade option? Does he get cut? Does he stick around? Does that keep Moore into a, you know, sort of a joker role, if you will, where he does a little bit of this, a little bit of that? I don't know. I'm I'm kind of... I think Crowder confused. brings oh, Denzel Mims. Yeah, yep. I, well, I like Denzel Mims. I mean, if he could make a leap, his physicality could be really exciting. His athleticism could bring some lift. But I think Crowder is, you know, 
the same way that I think Mark Ingram is being brought to Houston because he adds a veteran presence to an otherwise very young team. I think Crowder brings that like mentor sort of here's what Mm -hmm. we're going to do energy. He's been around long. He's reliable. He's all of the things that he's all what what they like to call like a locker room guy. I think that that's really going to be his his role in bridging the old regime to this next new one. Yeah. I mean, I heard some talk that, that you know, that Elijah Moore could end up sort of being you. They're different players, but could sort of still be used the same way that Debo Samuel was in San Francisco when sure. he was a rookie of the Super Bowl season. So, you know, line up in the backfield, inside, outside, motion, that kind of stuff. So I, I, I think it's – I think Crowder probably still has a role, like you've said. I just think it's – Moore is going to be way more open uh, on his his, uh, his body of work for next year. I like him for Dynasty. I don't like him for redraft. Terrace yes. Marshall, similarly, I think, I mean, the Terrace Marshall fall, sometimes when you invest, I mean, you more than anybody else, like invest so much time and energy in getting to know these players and following their tape and knowing their skill sets and their backgrounds, and then someone mm-hmm. you really like starts to tumble it, it's like breath catching. And I was so relieved that that Joe Brady, his coach from college, and obviously the OC in Carolina was the one to stabilize his fall. And here's the wildest part. I comped Terrace Marshall to Robbie Anderson, and then he ends ah. up on a team with Robbie Anderson. How about that? Yeah. I mean, this is... You know, this is a really interesting spot for him. I think it's going to work out very well. And, and the, the question for me is, you know... Do they have Anderson on one side, DJ Moore in the slot, Terrence, Terrace Marshall outside? Or, you know, how is that exactly going to work? I mean, I, I guess there's a few options here. Shy Smith, they drafted as well. He could be, He's probably an inside guy at the next level. Um, the thing about Marshall that I think makes him very attractive is he can line up in and out. Um, and he's got the size, too, and the speed, which is a little bit unusual. You don't see guys who can, you know, Joe likes to – you know, he'll go trips on one play, you know, they'll go twins on the next. They'll use, they, they mix and match their wide receivers. He did a lot of LSU. He did a lot last year in Carolina. So having that flexibility, I think does give a, an opportunity, assuming he's healthy. You know, that's the question is any, any worry about that? Who knows? He's going to play early. I just don't know how much and where, but I, I, he'll have a role. I just, even with Moore and Anderson there, I think he'll still get some balls thrown his way. And Sam Darnold's got to feel good finally getting the things that he, you know, it, on a on an evening or a weekend in which New York rolled out the red carpet for Zach Wilson, bravo to Carolina making Darnold feel a little bit more welcome in his new in his new city. Yeah. Oh, that that's a perfect way to to uh, to feel welcomed, right? You know, you. you they don't draft competition for you yeah. uh, in the first round. That's nice. They get rid of it. Then they, <laughs> they yeah, they're right. Yeah, they, yep, rip, move it out the door, and then all of a sudden you get receivers. You get you know some some offensive line help too with Brady Christensen there, and you know they they've done a lot of work in the offseason. So you know we'll see how it works out. Sam's got his opportunity now, no doubt about it. Over under noting that Marshall is a red zone threat and a consistent was a consistent red zone weapon at LSU over under six touchdowns for Marshall in his year. I was going to say six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's a good number. I think he can do it. I mean, you know, this is a guy who scored more touchdowns than games played. I want to say over the last 
two years, if I'm not mistaken, or very close. You know, it was like 23 and 19 games or something crazy like that. So, you know, he's obviously got that ability. You know, Carolina won't be as explosive as LSU, but there will be more shot plays. You know, the thing that, you know, Teddy could never quite do is, is consistently work the ball down the field and, and have success doing that. So I, I think it's going to be really interesting. Ah, I do too. So I mentioned at the top of the show that you are already working on 2022. Can you tease us with your next year's thoughts and then we'll get out of here? Yeah, next year, there is no Trevor Lawrence, you know, there's no <laughs> clear cut number one guy at quarterback, but Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma, very exciting player. Sam Howell at North Carolina, exciting, you know, Keaton Slovis at USC, JT Daniels at Georgia, someone out of this group. And there are, I list, you know, six more of them and, and there are plenty more that who aren't listed. Someone from this group is going to emerge as the next Zach Wilson, the next Mac Jones, the next, you know, I guess Trey Lance. So Pete Thamel wrote a great column the other day. He said, five quarterbacks in the top 15 may sound novel now, but get used to it. This is going to be the way it's going to go. And I think he's right about that. So there are plenty of options for, for risers next year. Grayson McCall, Coastal Carolina. That sounds like a very uh, Zach Wilson-y sort of situation. Oh, Grayson McCall, you, you're rolling deep on me here. Yeah, I mean, redshirt sophomore. So, I mean, like he could come back to school, obviously, but man, his playmaking ability is something See? else. He, he, ripped, he ripped BYU, he ripped Kansas. He had a, some good games. All right, well, more on that. You can always follow Eric because he doesn't stop working. Even on the Monday after the draft, he takes his kids to school, he works, does radio shows, and then like, just turns his phone off for two hours. I can't believe it. I don't know why you weren't like at a hotel someplace, but I should have. I should have. <laughs> Absolutely. For all of you podcast listeners, Andy and Dalton will be running the show on Tuesday, going over their initial player rankings for 2021. We obviously teased some of those for you today. Spoiler, Dalton's ranks are spicy. Jonathan Taylor, number two overall. Cam Akers, number five overall. I just did a mock with him. He's a wild man. I love it. <laughs> If you're looking for college talk, follow the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and Pat Forty. Follow Post It Up with Chris Haynes for more in-depth conversations from the NBA world. His guest this week is Kevin Love. Great conversation between Chris and Kevin about mental health if you're interested, so go check that out. You can check us out on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That is at Eric underscore Ed Holm. Thank you so much, Eric, for joining me through this rookie journey and experience. It's been a pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed it too. I have indeed, no doubt about it. Roll it back next year. He's definitely telling the truth. On that note, we're out.